City of. It's time for episode 37 of the Purely Pigskin Podcast, the fourth of four draft specials as we move closer and closer to the NFL draft happening later this week. This week, we are pleased to bring you a combined mock draft. Along with me once again is my good friend, Ryan Tudor. Ryan, what's going on, man? Feels good. Episode 37, Sean Alexander, probably the best 37. Uh, no more time, Pete. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. I was, ready a up. Mo- I was ready a month ago, but I'm ready now also. Yeah, it's uh, the mock drafts are so fun to do, and it's a great exercise to predict where these guys are going to go. This is not only the final draft special, it's the final episode of the first season of the Purely Pigskin Podcast. This has been a lot of fun, and uh, thank you once again, Ryan, for being on with me, and, and to everyone who's come on, to everyone who's come along on this journey listening. I'll be looking forward to season two, but we're not there yet. We got one more show to do. I'm so pumped. The NFL draft is just a couple of days away. It's going to be amazing on Thursday night, round one. But for tonight, we are going to do our combined mock draft. And what that's going to look like is that you and I will alternate making the choices as to who we think is going to go first, second, all the way through pick 32, the Jaguars number one, the Lions 32, and we will alternate picks going all the way through. This is going to be great. Are you ready to go? Yes, sir. And uh, you won the toss, so you have the honors. Pick number one. Pick number one. And I have I have a bombshell to drop here because I have had a change of opinion on who I think is going number one overall. I've been on the Aiden Hutchinson bandwagon this whole time. And again, this is who we think is going to get drafted, not who we think is going to be drafted. So I still think that Aiden Hutchinson should be the pick for the Jaguars at number one, but I no longer think that they're actually going to do that. I think they will in fact draft Trayvon Walker out of Georgia defensive end number one. And if you want to know why I'm sure you're, you're begging to know why I'm making the change. It's not that I think it's his talent. It's not that I've had a change of heart, anything like that. It's because the bookies Tudor. The bookies now have Trayvon Walker as the odds-on favorite to go number one overall. And you know those sports books people, they exist for one reason, and that's to make money. They don't like giving it out. They like to bring it in. And if they're putting the the worst, uh, the best odds on Trayvon Walker, to me, that's enough. I think that they know something. I think Trayvon Walker is going to be the pick for the Jags. I heard you say many words, but uh, reading between the lines, you said, I'm sorry, and I accept that apology, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes uh, the number two selection quite easy. Uh, let's keep it in the state of Michigan. Aiden Hutchinson, potentially franchise cornerstone to the Detroit Lions at pick number two. Uh, that might be the easiest pick uh, you leave for me all night, Pete. So uh, after you apologized, uh, I also want to thank you for the gift. Which well, means- you're th- you're thanking me for the gift, and I think that the Lions will be thanking the Jaguars for the gift of leaving Aiden Hutchinson for them because I really felt for a long time that the Lions, they were going to miss out at both the top and the bottom end of this draft potentially, and now it looks as if they might actually get their guy. Yeah, it would be a lot of fun, and I think uh, uh, we don't get their numbers, but that would be a jersey that I think will sell a ton. And uh, 
a city that I think all of us are sort of cheering for. The NFL is better when the Lions are playing well, but the real dumpster fire of the last two years, in my opinion at least, the Houston Texans, who are they taking at number three? Well, with Walker and Hutchinson off the board, and I don't think they were going to go edge necessarily anyways. Uh, However, I will hold firm. I think for them, they will look at the tackle position, and I think they'll take, in their minds, the best tackle off the board. And I'm going to go with Akemikwanu out of NC State. Uh, They've got picks 313 and 37. They've got a lot of opportunity to add at different positions in this draft. But here they have a chance to add one of the top two tackles of the draft. As they continue their rebuild, I think this is the best spot to go for them. I think they'll see it that way. I think they go with Iquanu. Okay. I mean, I uh, might argue with the player, but not the position. And uh, both of those tackles, as we talked about last week, very, very uh, attractive prospects. Uh, as I've said throughout, I'm a bit more of an Evan Neal guy. And I think if they get other players, either player there, uh, they'll be just fine. But life gets easy for me, uh, Pete, at four uh, to the New York Jets. This is a player that you and I are both uh, very high on consistently, uh, a sort of player that you need to have if you're going to have a competitive football team in January. Uh, Ahmad Sauce Gardner, uh, the junior corner out of Cincy, plenty of length, uh, 6'3", 190, probably our number one corner. And uh, I think the Jets would be very happy to take him there. Probably not going to go any higher than that, but I think it makes a ton of sense for them and uh, makes a ton of sense for me uh, to take him at pick number four. Yeah, and I had the Jets actually taking Kayvon Thibodeau there. Uh, after considering a slide for Thibodeau, I think the Jets will actually take him there at fourth. But Gardner would also make a lot of sense for them. The Jets obviously have a lot of holes to fill, so they could go any number of ways. It's intriguing that they have the fourth pick as well as the 10th pick. Uh, We'll see. You get both the Jets pick as I get both Giants picks being odd numbers and the Giants are up next on the clock. And you know what? They've got also got a lot of holes to fill. And I think they're going to fill one at tackle with uh, Evan Neal. And once again, you and I both think highly of Neal. I know we have him and Iquanu reversed in our rankings, but we both agree that those are the two top guys and the Giants need a left tackle or at least someone that they can plug in on that offensive line that has been an absolute mess for so long. The Giants need this, and they can't afford to wait because there's a chance that the Panthers could take a tackle at number six if they don't take one themselves at number five. So they're going to wait on the next guy. For now, I think they go Evan Neal. Can't argue with it, and uh, I don't think you can argue with uh, all five of those guys being uh, very strong top five overall, which puts us at six. I mean, I do think if either of those offensive tackles fall, that the Carolina Panthers would be happy to gobble one up. Uh, I think a case could be made for Charles Cross, and I think uh, they'd, be, they'd do well to make that selection. This one is tough for me, Pete, but I just think about how challenging it is to get a uh, franchise quarterback. You and I have thought that a very interesting storyline, this whole draft is going to be uh, which quarterbacks, how many in the first round, in what order. Uh, I'm seeing just a little bit of talk lately that's saying uh, the one guy who might just be a dynamic player uh, under center is Malik Willis. I like pick two. I like pick four. I'm a little more tentative here, but you need a good guy under center to win any football. You need a good quarterback to go 500 in the National Football League. And uh, let's go Malik Willis there. Uh, As I said, a little less enthusiastic. I think this is a player that can maybe start to turn the tide uh, in Carolina. And uh, there we go. Yeah, Malik Willis... Yeah, more sensible pick cross, but let's go Willis. Let's go Willis. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, the it's worst kept secret in the league. The Carolina Panthers aggressively pursued Deshaun Watson. They didn't get him. 
They want a quarterback real bad, a franchise quarterback. And uh, even though Matt Rule's job is on the line, coaches often have this uh, idea, whether it's overconfidence or not, that that even if a guy's a little raw, they can coach him up, so to speak, uh, get him up to par quicker rather than usual. And I think that's why I also would take Willis here if I was the Panthers. At least I think they would take Willis over a guy like Kenny Pickett. Uh, because Willis's ceiling is higher, I think the coaches will think, yes, put it on us to get that talent out right in year one. Uh, so there you go. Well, I got to admit, I had the Giants taking Ahmad Gardner at number seven. But since he's already off the board, this is a change that I'm going to have to make. The first change in my picks here that I'm going to have to make. As I said, the Giants have a lot of needs. And after taking Evan Neal uh, on the offensive side of the ball, I think they will use that second pick on the defensive side of the ball, regardless uh, of who has been taken. There's a lot of top prospects at the top end of this draft. And uh, even though I had him going a little bit later, since uh, you threw that curveball at me with the Jets taking Ahmad Sauce Gardner, I will have the Giants take safety Kyle Hamilton out of Notre Dame. He comes off the board at number seven uh, with Gardner already gone. Wow. I know that's a player you like quite a bit, so no no fault there. And and as intriguing and versatile a player as there might be on the defensive end uh, in this draft. <laughs> I guess, what is that, the bump and shuffle? Because now i got to shuffle some things <laughs> based on what I thought you would do. And uh, We're on our toes in episode four, baby. Have to be. I, I was thinking, uh, Pete, when you think about those championship Giants football teams, you might think Ellie, you might think catches, but I think about – uh, that defensive line. So I thought maybe there'd be a case for Thibodeau there. So let's put him at number eight then. If he's still around, I think the Atlanta Falcons would be happy to call his name. Yeah, that's a fascinating conversation about Thibodeau we mentioned a couple minutes ago, but you know he could slip. I, th- I If I was a general manager, I would not be taking him within the top 10. That's me personally. But somebody is going to bet on his talent and bet that they can get him going Uh, and playing at a high level. For me, we've all had experiences that have changed us and uh, jaded us, if you will. And I remember another defensive end that my Miami Dolphins took with a top five pick not too long ago out of the uh, same position, same school, the University of Oregon, as Kayvon Thibodeau. I'm talking about Deion Deion Jordan. Jordan. Deion Jordan, the guy that people called the next Jason Taylor and was anything but a total bust for the Miami Dolphins, a wasted draft pick. And so I, I'm still stung by that. And, you know, when I when I see Thibodeau's approach, uh, especially at the combine when he had that opportunity to put some wrongs right and he didn't do it, in fact, he almost doubled down on the things that people were worried about. Someone might bet on him, but it wouldn't be me. So, like I said, I have the Jets taking him at four in my mock. He may well be a top 10 pick. I just don't think he should be case with the Falcons is that they're not in a hurry to win games. And I think if there's a developmental project, they could be one of the teams to take him on. Uh, again, this was the consensus first overall pick a year ago coming into this draft. Maybe he's trending in the wrong direction, but nevertheless, decent value. I think they're at pick number eight, which brings us to uh, a team again that I've been pretty hard on in recent episodes, the Seattle Seahawks at nine. Uh, Pete, where do, you, where do you think they're going to go? Yeah. Interesting for the Seahawks here. They're in a total rebuild They have picks 9, 40, and 41, so three fairly early picks there. And I think they're going with a slow rebuild. What I mean by that is I don't think that they're feeling the pressure to get that next quarterback. 
that franchise quarterback this year. I think they'll give Drew Locke a, a chance or they might end up trading for a guy like Baker Mayfield. We'll see. I just don't think that they're feeling the pressure to win this year to make playoffs. I think they're willing to make this rebuild a little slower and then to go with the best player available. Originally, I had that as Kyle Hamilton, but he's already off the board. So I actually think that they could go with a guy like N'Kobe Dean here, linebacker out of Georgia. You think about some of the guys that have just left, Bobby Wagner, an anchor in that front seven as the middle linebacker. He's gone now. I could see Nicobe Dean jumping right in. He'll have to prove himself, no doubt. But if there's any one linebacker in the mold of a Bobby Wagner in this draft, I think it's Nicobe Dean. And I think the Seahawks might very well go with him at number nine. I didn't see that coming, but I love it. And I like the approach. And uh, yeah, you're, you're going to try to replace. Pete, I know uh, I don't want to be too given to hyperbole here. Uh, if I think about the three, well, let's go four best middle linebackers I've seen the last 20 years uh, in no particular order. I think you got Ray Ray, Sweetness, Ray Lewis. You got Erlacher. You got Wagner and maybe Patrick Willis. You're talking about replacing one of the best middle linebackers we've seen, I've seen. And uh, maybe Dean would be a, a sort of person that helps Seahawk fans uh, forget to some degree. Uh, they'll, they'll honor the legacy, but but they can move on. Yeah. Which means at 10, and we're back with the Jets. This is a player who you and I, I, I think, both have at the top of our wide receiver boards. I know you like some of the pieces that are starting to be put in place on the offensive side of the ball in New York. Jamison Williams is the guy you and I thought had a very, very high ceiling. Again, a torn ACL needs to be uh, fully rehabbed, but the upside here is outstanding. Uh, the Jets, to me, seem like a team that always struggles uh, to score points. Uh, they seem to have enough youth at quarterback. Uh, they seem to have their running back situation solved, and uh, they've been investing in the offensive line. So I think Jameis, Jamison Williams rather could be a very exciting piece. And uh, not only is he there at number 10, he becomes the first wide receiver off the board. I like it. And all the rumors I'm hearing right now are all about Jamison Williams and how most teams are taking the long view with him. I would also take this long view that Yes, he's rehabbing that ACL injury, and yes, he's going to miss time this year, but once he comes back, he's going to be the dominant player uh, and the dominant, the best wide receiver of this class. I truly believe he is that guy, and I actually have him going number eight to the Falcons in my mock, so I will not be surprised at all if he's gone inside the top 10. That would be a great pick for the Jets for sure, and some similarities there to even Jalen Waddle last year, same school. Very explosive player, but a guy that was coming off an injury. And some people were wondering, well, should we be looking at Devontae Smith over Waddle? But Waddle was the first guy to go uh, after Jamar Chase, of course, to the Dolphins, uh, who a lot of people speculated Smith would be the guy there. So, yeah, I could definitely see Jamison Williams going in the top 10. And I'll tell you what, moving it right along, pick 11, the Washington Commanders. Up next, and I got them taking the second wide receiver off the board here. Not the second receiver on my big board, mind you, but the guy I think they will go with. You know, you think of Daniel Snyder. He's, I kind of think of him as like a mini Jerry Jones. You know, he loves to have total control. He loves to be the one to have influence over the pick, and he loves to take the big shiny toy, the guy that, you know, everyone else is going to be jealous of, and uh, the guy that comes with the, the most hype around him and honestly I really think if he's there 
that the Washington Commanders will take Drake London, wide receiver out of USC. It looks to me a pick that would really reflect their ownership and what they're looking for. It would add another weapon on the outside. And when you think about Terry McLaurin and his future being unknown past this year, Drake London uh, could make for a dynamic duo, or he could be the guy that takes over for McLaurin as the pure number one next year. Could see it. Could see uh, another wideout in that spot if that's the direction they want to go. The thing that would be in the back of my mind as a GM is these ludicrous, and I'm not sure, Pete, if we've said the word ludicrous on this uh, season of podcasts, but the ludicrous contracts that are being doled out to wide receivers and uh, maybe a way to uh, play it cheap and keep weapons is to draft wideouts. Uh, I could see them doing that with Drake London. I could see that them doing that with Garrett Wilson, but we'll see. I, I Pete, I'm okay if uh, the commanders lose every game this year and every game next. Uh, and I don't even have a bias. I just not about anything going on with that organization team that I do think is trending more positively uh, because they stayed the same or got slightly better vis-a-vis their opponents. And that's the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, initially, I was very intrigued about uh, Trent McDuffie. Uh, I think this might be slightly too high for him, but I feel like that might be a need for them. But another player who has worn purple and gold at the collegiate level, who some people will even see as a CB1, Derek Stingley Jr. just hanging out. I think he's got to be gone by this point. But if they're able to snatch him up at 12, uh, that's a huge get for them and a player I think they'd be excited to plug in. Probably a day one starter at uh, the weak side nickel. Or pardon me, the weak side corner and uh, a very exciting player. So uh, let's go there at pick number 12. Yeah, that almost seems like the match made in heaven of this entire draft, other than Hutchinson to the Lions. <laughs> that, to me, is the, the biggest match made in heaven in this draft. But when you're talking about player and team need and that combination being there with the talent uh, and the, the spot that the team is drafting, I think the Vikings at number 12, Derek Stingley is as – Great a match as you could get uh, in this draft. So you and I are totally together on that one. That brings us to pick 13 and the Houston Texans, their second pick of the first round. Uh, I had them taking a Quanu with the number one, or sorry, their number one, number three overall pick. Uh, as I said, they have the 13 and the 37. They have a lot of needs, but you know, they're trying to build something around Davis Mills, uh, a guy who was rather unheralded or at least didn't get the hype that the other quarterbacks got coming out of the draft last year. But the first guy that the Texans took when they got their chance in the third round last year, they didn't have a pick in the first or second round. Third round came along and they took Davis Mills. Of course, we have that controversy with Deshaun Watson. He's now gone and uh, it's all about building around him. They got the left tackle with Aquanu in our mock draft. And now I'm giving them Garrett Wilson, another weapon at wide receiver to help Davis Mills out and continue their offensive development. I got Garrett Wilson, wide receiver out of Ohio State, going to the Texans at number 13. What do you think of that? Uh, what do I think of your work? I think it's nice. What do I think of the Texans? I think they're a terrible organization. <laughs> Ryan, why don't you tell us how you really feel? Um, Pete, I haven't driven down on, on some of those Toronto roads, but they are... Uh, full of potholes in some areas, and uh, so are the Houston Texans. Is that too harsh? We got to get harsh, baby, because it's episode 37. We can't be pulling punches in the final episode. Let's go. Yeah, so uh, some of these things just fall into place. I think that happened at pick 12. Pete, I think it happens again here at pick 14. You'll recall that the Baltimore Ravens traded a, a very capable left tackle not too long ago to the Kansas City Chiefs. 
And I uh, sense now that that might be a position of need. Uh, even if it wasn't, uh, Charles Cross is too good a prospect to pass up on. Uh, even if you're in love with your left tackle, you could slot him in at right. Uh, 6'5", 307, sophomore, Mississippi State. You know, you're never sure how these things will all shake out, Pete, but uh, I expect him to be uh, gone by this point. Uh, but the Baltimore Ravens would be very delighted, I think, to draft him at pick 14. You know when those teams are on the clock, I don't know, I think, it, is it 10 minutes for uh, the first-round picks? Uh, I think they would need about 15 seconds uh, before they phone that in. Great player and a great fit. I think that would be pick number 14. Yeah, I know you're obviously big on Charles Cross as well. I could see them going offensive line or defensive line or maybe even corner at this point. But with the top two corners off the board, I think Charles Cross is definitely in play there. Now I have a decision to make because the guy that I have originally slated to the Eagles at 15 is still there. However, the guy that I had going to the Ravens at number 14, a very highly heralded prospect himself, is also still on the clock. So I got a decision to make here. It's a tough one. I'll stick with my pick, though. I'm going to go with linebacker Devin Lloyd out of Utah to the Eagles at 15. As you'll remember, they did have three first-round picks. They then made a great trade uh, for them anyway with the New Orleans Saints. They now only have two first-rounders, the Eagles do, number 15 and number 18. And while you'll get to make the second of those picks, I'm going to take the first one, and I'm going to take that linebacker off the board. Devin Lloyd can go sideline to sideline. He can cover tight ends in the passing game. A great all-around linebacker that I think will be great for the Eagles if they choose to take him. I'm going that way. Uh, we, we talked about this. Uh, that's a player we both like a ton. Why not? I mean, I like him in so many different defenses, and I like him at so many different picks. Uh, again, I, I, I think the linebackers are slightly – undervalued and I think the edge rushers slightly overvalued if I were the Eagles in that spot I'd be a little more tempted uh, to get the edge rush from Jermaine Johnson a player that you and I also uh, are pretty favorable on the issue is I don't think that's necessarily a fit for the New Orleans Saints so I don't take him here and this is what you're doing on the fly I'm doing on the fly uh, Pete is sort of readjusting so I'm going to go to uh, a player who I think would be best available at that spot uh, it's a little harder for me to envision the fit necessarily, but I don't know how many players in the NFL are 6'6 and 341, Pete. This is a very big man and uh, a great point of attack. Set the interior gaps, just make a center's life miserable. How about Jordan Davis out of the University of Georgia? Ooh. Stays in the South, begins uh, to be a piece for the defensive line in New Orleans that's known for having very good edge rushers. think they come to the interior. If he's available, would be a very nice uh, selection. Uh, can you get on board with uh, Jordan Davis at number 16? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think that Jordan Davis uh, would be an asset for the Saints. I'm not convinced they're going to go on the defensive side of the ball, though, because I think in their minds, they have one of the best defenses in the league. So I, I would lean more to the offensive side for them. But Davis, no doubt, is going to cause problems for people. He's going to be cause problems for offensive coordinators and quarterbacks and running backs and all that. So uh, it's interesting. You took him, though, right off the board, right before I had him going, which is the next pick on the board, number 17, the L.A. Chargers. I had Jordan Davis going there. But with him off the board, I'm plugging in a guy for the Chargers that actually fell out of my first-round mock altogether. But now I'm choosing at number 17 for the Chargers. I'm talking about left tackle Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa, 
a guy that plays mean and nasty and a guy that could slide right in there. You know, last year they took Rashawn Slater, who's really looks like he's going to be a great left tackle for them. I think they'll move Trevor Penning over to the right side, play right tackle, and man, continue to build that team and that offense around Justin Herbert. I think it's a great fit for them if Jordan Davis isn't there. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, and the uh, Chargers seem to be a, a team that are doing a lot of things right. I was tempted, potentially, if you're sticking with D-line, uh, maybe take a look at Devontae Wyatt there. But I can see them being quite pleased. That's going to make a little bit of a run on offensive linemen here. Uh, Philly seems like a team that plays with uh, a lot of contact up front. So I'm going to go Kenyon Green. Mm. This is a player I think is climbing a little bit, very solid. I think Philly's moving to a little bit more of a ball control, uh, RPO, uh, maybe some running between the tackles. And uh, a guy like that makes a good offensive line uh, that much better. And I think not a pick I'm in love with, but I, I could see it happening at pick number 18 of the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay. Yeah. I was going to actually ask you about Kenyon Green, the guard out of Texas A&M, because uh, you're an offensive line guy, but he's not a guy that you've spent much time talking about on this podcast. What what are your thoughts about Kenyon Green? I know you must have Zion Johnson at a Boston College rated higher, but you think the Eagles would take Kenyon Green here. What what are you seeing there? Yeah, I mean, I'm I am seeing some reports that are having Kenyon Green move up a little bit. When you and I talked offline, we said my top five, three of those were tackles, and I think it's just uh, the premium position. This is a guy who I think would be devastating, just a mauler on the interior. I'm also uh, have another pick in mind for another football team that's in the state of Pennsylvania. So I have one eye on uh, what the Eagles are doing at 18, uh, another eye a little bit further down the draft. So uh, what I'm finding fun, Pete, but challenging is where you slot uh, certain guys in uh, as you're shuffling on the fly. And I guess that's a bit of what uh, general managers goes through. But um, yeah, that's a player I wasn't high on a week or two ago, but I'm much higher now. And uh, I think he'll for sure go in the first round into a team like the Eagles, which means... um, Ping pong ball falls back to you. I made the first Saints pick. You make the second here at number 19. Yeah, and I'm going to go ahead and take the guy that I originally have the Saints taken at number 16. But since he's available here at number 19, I'm going to go with him. And that's wide receiver Chris Olave out of Ohio State. I think this is a great fit for the Saints. They need another weapon outside of Michael Thomas, a guy who hasn't played now in almost two years and probably doesn't have a lot of prime years left in him. But for now... You can hopefully make that a dynamic duo along with Alvin Kamara. You're going to give Jameis Winston the best chance to succeed having a guy like Chris Olave added to that mix. That might make their offense that much more potent. Uh, They could really use a guy like him, and I love Olave. I love how smooth a route runner he is. I think he'll make an immediate impact for them at number 19. Uh, I like it for them. I like it for your logic. I don't like what it means for me. There's two players I'm looking at for Pittsburgh at number 20. One we talked about throughout would be uh, does Kenny Pickett uh, find a home in Pittsburgh? The much better value, I think, would be Tyler uh, Linderbaum, who does, again, just seem like a player destined to wear black and gold. I know Pittsburgh has added uh, a little bit of free agency help to the offensive line. So for that reason, you've talked about matches made in heaven, which uh, might be a hashtag that's going to be trending by the end of our mock. <laughs> Let's go with uh, Pickett out of University right. of Pittsburgh. Staying in Pittsburgh, and I could see it at, at number 20. I uh, And I mentioned this uh, with the Carolina pick. I just think you need quarterbacks. And uh, it's crazy to me that we only have one quarterback going in the top 19 picks. Uh, I think there's more players, more dynamic. But um, I think Trubisky has a bit of success in Pittsburgh. But why not bring a, a player like Pickett in behind him and uh, maybe give yourself a bit of a, a stable of uh, 
semi-good quarterbacks, and uh, let's do that at pick 20, which means yeah. – um, go ahead. That, well, yeah, I was just going to say that's an interesting pick, and, and I do have Pickett as well going to the Steelers at 20. But I think that they prefer Malik Willis. They're just not willing to trade up for him. So do you agree with that? And and I guess your answer would be if Malik Willis isn't there, that they would feel comfortable enough with Pickett to make that choice. I think so. It wasn't in our mock draft rules. I think there would be somebody trading up uh, or some movement if it's around Willis, and uh, especially if he falls out of the top six or seven. Pittsburgh historically is not a team that moves up or seems willing to do that. I, I just think they got to address that position. I think they've uh, just got used to having Big Ben in that lineup for, what, 15 years? Maybe more? And I think reality without a quarterback is going to hit them hard. And uh, I think he's good enough. Uh, I've seen some mocks that have him outside of the first round. But let's go with the match made in heaven theme and, and leave him right there, which means not much fun for a Dolphins fan to have to make a pick on behalf of the hood and deflate gate and all of that. <laughs> so I'm guessing you're going to pick uh, your, your 200th player on your big board. <laughs> yeah. But you got to do the right thing here and be a good sport. Uh, who's the best player or the next player rather that the Patriots select at 21? Yeah, you know, of all the picks uh, in trying to project where a guy is going to go, I think making a pick for the Patriots has got to be one of the hardest things to do because they always seem to have a surprise, a guy that they like that nobody else likes and yet works out for them. Of course, Bill Belichick knows what he's doing. I'm scared of a couple of guys dropping to this spot and the Patriots nabbing him. One on the offensive side of the ball, one on the defensive side of the ball. I would be scared if the Patriots ended up with Jamison Williams. If he were to fall to 21 and they chose him, I'd be like, dang, I was really hoping that wouldn't happen. And on the defensive side, it's Devin Lloyd, the linebacker out of Utah, if he were to follow the Patriots, either one of those guys, I, I definitely do not want to see either of those two guys end up on the Patriots. However, as the board has fallen, those guys are both gone. Uh, when I think about the Patriots and what they're going to do, you know, Belichick is smart. He sees the rest of the AFC in an arms race on the offensive side of the ball. What's he going to do? He's going to double down on the defense, I think. He's going to beat them with a dominant defense I think he takes edge rusher Quay Walker out of Georgia, a guy with versatility. He can stick his hand in the dirt. He can stand up. He can rush the passer. He can drop back into coverage. You know how Belichick loves to mix around his defenses and give you looks and change it up at the last minute. I think Quay Walker is a guy that would fit well in New England. Fascinating. Pete, every episode you give me something I just would have never expected. <laughs> I don't know how to take that. Oh, you should. Am I way off? No, no, I, well, I'm intrigued, and I think you uh, – well, I love what you said there. Everybody's going offense, and the hood goes the opposite way, which is why, ladies and gentlemen, Pete Noyd is giving you content that uh, all these cookie-cutter sites are not providing you, uh, which means hit the subscribe button. Are you kidding me? This kind of intel. Oh, and, I'm in, and look, I'm in a real good mood because uh, I thought you were thinking with that offensive talk that uh, Traylon Burks all of a sudden was going to be gone, and uh, if he's there – and we think that Green Bay needs to address that position. Let's do that. Trey Burks, a 6'2", 225 out of Arkansas, the junior. Is that a weapon that can pair up with the immunized number 12 uh, for the Chiefs <laughs> I, You know what? I think so. And I, I, some people are drawing some comparisons between Traylon Burks and, and Debo Samuel. Of course, the, we think of the rumors, and we're not doing any trades in this mock draft. So, of course, trades can always upset the flow of the first round and how it plays out. I ultimately don't think that the Packers will give up the picks required to get Debo. 
even though Debo would be a great fit for them. But Burks draws comparisons to Debo. They would get him cheaper, plus they wouldn't have to give up additional picks to get him. And I have seen him linked with the Packers specifically within the last seven days. So I like the Burks pick here. Excellent. Uh, Ball's back in your court, my man. Yeah, we'll go to the Arizona Cardinals at pick 23. And this is another tough one for me because the Cardinals could go a lot of ways here. You know, they got James Conner at running back. I actually thought about, would this be the first running back off the board? I do think it's a possibility. I don't think ultimately they'll do it. They let Christian Kirk go in free agency. Their wide receivers are getting old. DeAndre Hopkins and A.J. Green are not getting any younger. So... Uh, I could see them going wide receiver, but again, I don't think they're going to go that way. Where do they go? I think they go on the defensive side of the ball, and I think they just make a good solid pick, a guy that can plug into that defensive line, play different positions. They're getting J.J. Watt back, but they still need some help there. I think they go Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia. I don't know how many guys I've taken out of Georgia so far, but we're going with another one here at pick 23 for the Cardinals. Yeah, I like it. I was thinking you might go edge. I mean, I think you got to replace Chandler Jones as well. I think in Wyatt's case, so he's just such a good player and such good value that we're at a point in the draft now where if a guy like that's available, uh, it might not matter if it's your primary position of need. Just a very talented player. Yeah, a guy who could give you, I don't know, at least two-thirds of your defensive reps nearly the beginning of the season. A very good player. So I'm I'm not mad at you, Pete, as the kids say, uh, which means <laughs> I'm pick 24 to the Dallas Cowboys. Is that right? Yes, sir. And uh, this is a team that I think will will contend. I haven't agreed with everything they've done this offseason, particularly the uh, Mari Cooper deal. I find it a bit of a head-scratcher. Um, they did have some identity up front with a, a very uh, accomplished and polished offensive line six or seven years ago. Uh, some of those uh, pieces are still there. And this is a, guy, a player that you know I like, but what about Zion Johnson? Mm. I think we'll slot in that guard. Very good player, very good value here. And uh, I think he could be pick number 24 to the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I was thinking that too. A, a guard would make sense for them. They always prioritize that offensive line. They pride themselves on having those guys on the front that really tow the line, that open up the holes for the running back. Uh, and I actually had uh, Kenyon Green mocked here. So on my mock, obviously he's already taken. So I think Zion Johnson makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I could see it. I'm intrigued. The Bills are a pick that uh, could go a lot of directions because this – for me, is a team that's probably in that handful of five or six teams that uh, could be contending for the Lombardi. And they're, they got talent across the board, but they probably want to continue to add players that are going to make an immediate impact as, as opposed to developmental guys. So where, where are you leaning with pick 25? Well, the Bills, uh, if this is the way that the first round plays out, then I think the Bills will be laughing because they get a guy with big-time talent, uh, with a lot of hype, and uh, a lot of ability, a, a real scrapper at a position of need for them. I'm talking about corner Trent McDuffie out of Washington. He looks to be the real deal. He's a little undersized, so that usually pegs these guys down a bit at that position. However, if you turn on his tape, he certainly doesn't play like he's undersized. Uh, in fact, he plays quite a bit bigger than that. And I think the Bills would absolutely be thrilled if Trent McDuffie fell this far to them at number 25. Yeah, I can't argue with it. At this point, he's number one or number two on my big board of players that are left. And uh, yeah, a position of uh, potential need and uh, a guy that makes a lot of sense. Uh, that Bills pick is very interesting to me. Uh, that's one of the ones I'm going to be paying uh, close attention to because, as I said, I think that team might be uh, one or two pieces away. And this is a fun part of the draft, Pete. We said that uh, given that I cheer for 
the team that used to wear creamsicle orange down there in South Florida at 27. You're going to be 26 and 27. Is that correct? That's right. We're going to switch it up a little here so that you can pick for your uh, favored bucks at 27. Uh, and to do that, we'll also give you the 26 pick to the Tennessee Titans. And then I'll take 28 and 29, the Packers and the Chiefs first pick respectively before we uh, close this thing out in the first round. So you go ahead with a double dip here, 26 Titans and 27 bucks. Who you got? I think uh, I can make a very compelling case here for Andrew Booth Jr. Just because uh, you can never have enough cornerbacks. And uh, he's a player who I think is excellent, who I think will be in the first round. But, you know, I think you're just sort of sometimes playing into the identity of your coach. And you know who a player that reminds me of a Vrabel type uh, back when he was in the league is your man, George, don't laugh at me, Carlaftis. I'm sure mm. he used to get that for years and years. Uh, out of Purdue. Uh, 6'4", 266, uh, a junior, uh, aggressive player. Tennessee is a team that likes to take the air out of the ball with a good running game and tough defense. Uh, talk to me. Do you think that that's a Vrabel-type selection? Uh, not the best available for me, but player who I think is a decent fit. What are your thoughts, Pete? Yeah, as you know, George Karlaftis is my favorite player in the entire draft because of the way he gets after it. Uh, as well as his story is a very inspiring story of strength and courage in his life, overcoming personal tragedy. I really am rooting for this kid. I hope he lands in a great spot where he's got great coaches and an opportunity to shine at the NFL level. And I think the Titans would be a great fit for him if he's available there for them at 26. Which brings us really to the only pick that matters in the 2022 <laughs> NFL draft. Pete, there were some overtures that you thought there might be a uh, proverbial thunder stealing, um, but I'm glad to report that there is not. Uh, and you know, I have my ear to the ground in all things Tampa Bay. Uh, I do think, by the way, with the uh, Brady restructure from a couple of days ago, uh, you're going to see two players come back to town, uh, seasoned vets. The first one wears number 87. You might have heard of him, Robert Gronkowski. Uh, I do think Ndamukong Sue is coming back as part of a rotational piece on the defensive line. Looks like. But I do think that there is going to be a pick here to the defensive line and uh, a player, Pete, you and I haven't talked a lot about, but that is Logan Hall. Mm. Defensive lineman, 6'6", 283 out of Houston. Uh, I think that that's a player who slots in nicely uh, alongside Vita Vea, who is uh, an absolute monster. Uh, I think this would give them a little bit more of an interior pass rush. And I do think with the first draft pick in the Todd Bowles coaching era, at least the, the second iteration of it, uh, I think that this is a player that will work for him. Uh, they have added some players in the defensive backfield. So I think it's got to be defense. And I think if he's there, and he, he probably will be there, it's Logan Hall out of Houston. I like the pick. I think it makes sense for them. Uh, it's not who I have mocked to the Bucks personally, but... They need to get younger, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. So I really like that pick for them. They they should go defensively, I think, with that first pick uh, because I think the offense is in pretty good shape. And even with those guys returning, they need the, the injection of youth, as they say. So uh, we'll take that. Appreciate that double dip there. And uh, we're going to keep it moving. I got this Packers second selection at number 28 overall. We already agree about Traylon Burks going to them with, at number 22. And now we're going to move to the defensive side of the ball where they could use a few guys at different positions here. But I'm going to take the safety out of Michigan, Daxton Hill, a guy with some versatility that can probably slot right into that starting uh, lineup almost immediately. 
Uh, they do have two safeties under contract, but after next year, neither of those guys are under contract. So I could really see them picking up Daxton Hill, bit of insurance policy, and at the same time, he can come down and play the nickel if he needs to. So the Packers have that flexibility there. They can get him onto the field and then next year put him into a full-time starter role. I like Daxton Hill a lot for the Packers at 28. I think it's good. I, I uh, With those back-to-back KC selections coming up, I know you'll make that first one. Uh, I think that they may be looking for a safety to replace the Honey Badger. And at this point, I think there's actually three safeties who could justify being selected at the back half of this draft. Daxton Hill is one, but there's still two that are there. Uh, we'll get to that in a moment, but you're still on the clock, Mr. Noid. Uh, 29 to the Kansas City Chiefs. What are we doing? Yeah, the Chiefs, as you know, have two picks in a row here at 29 and 30. I'll let you take the 30 in just a minute. But before you get a chance to do that, I'm going to have one of my other favorite players, uh, one of the best talents in this draft, I think. And if he were to end up going to the Chiefs here at 29, I think the league better watch out. And that's Jahan Dotson, wide receiver out of Penn State. They replaced Tyreek Hill. Obviously, they've already brought in Juju Smith-Suster. They have Michael Hardman, but I don't think Hardman is seen uh, as a guy that can take over a starter's role. I think they go wide receiver with one of these two picks that they have in a row here. And I think Dotson's the best guy and a guy that would fit beautifully in that Chiefs offense. So I'll take Dotson here. I like it. And uh, if it had been anybody other than the Chiefs, you're wondering about uh, some interior offensive line, but they seem to have addressed that last year. So uh, with Daxton gone, there's two safeties I could see being selected. Uh, One is Jalen Peter, but the other one, uh, one I like slightly more, who uh, a lot of people seem to like slightly less. And maybe we're a little too bulldog heavy in this draft. But let's go Lewis uh, Cine, safety out of Georgia, to replace uh, the Honey Badger, who had been a very likable player uh, for everybody uh, in Kansas City and nowhere else. Talented guy, nonetheless, who's still waiting to catch on somewhere. They address uh, a big void at safety, which means uh, mm. there were two picks left. Do you want to engage that one or do you want to take us right to pick well, 31? It's interesting that you mentioned the, the other safeties in the mix here because I think there's another safety in that mix that you did not mention. Uh, and a guy who made it into my first round However, uh, not at this pick. This is my final pick here, number 31, uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals. And how lucky are the Bengals here at number 31? You know, they they have this incredible season last year. They go to the Super Bowl. They get the number 31 pick because of that run. And then they get a guy like Tyler Linderbaum falling into their laps at number 31. Boy, could they use a center like Linderbaum. I think this is a no-brainer. If he's there at number 31, you turn that card in right away. Tyler Linderbaum, pencil that into the Bengals. Come on now. Love it. Uh, If he's there, then you and I have failed because he needs to go earlier. Uh, KC Chiefs have their own Linderbaum to a certain extent in Creed Humphrey. But yeah, since he would hit gold, if that's a possibility for them, uh, I just think he'll be gone. And if he's not, this is the exact location somebody might trade into the the tail end of the first round and get a player like Tyre Linderbaum uh, for potentially five years with that rookie option. Uh, So I love that pick. I love that value. Uh, But I'm not expecting it come Thursday night. I think he'll be gone. All right. Well, bring us home tonight. The Lions, their second pick of the first round to close it out. Uh, Pete, you know, I, uh, I'm not a big fan of rules. Uh, rules are made to be broken. Uh, I'm going to just provide myself, and it's shameful for a guest to do this. 
my own double dip. You didn't, we didn't talk about this. I'm just taking it because I got an eye on pick 32 and pick 34. So I'm going to go ahead and, and think that uh, at 34, 34 overall, that is, that the Lions can get a quarterback and uh, Ritter seems to fit the bill, uh, which means there's one pick to go in round one. And if this player is there, I think they're quite happy. The corner out of Clemson, Booth Jr. Uh, it's a player I almost talked to the Tennessee Titans into taking. Like Linderbaum, think he'll be gone. Uh, but if he's there, a very attractive player, Andrew Booth Jr. Out of Clemson, himself a junior, six foot, 194, a very, very good player and a, a player that Dan Campbell would be happy to select turning in that card at pick 32. There's the unofficial double dip, Pete. I should have asked for permission. I didn't. I had no plans on doing it, and I did it nonetheless. Uh, please forgive me. Hey, when Ryan Tudor steps up to the plate, you give him the green light. I love it. And you always have to factor in the first, I would say, 10 picks of the second round as being guys that are, are capable of being first-round talents uh, because there's more talent than there are picks in the first round, in my opinion. And so the Lions, yeah, they're in a great spot. They have the number two overall. They have the number 32 and the number 34. And I think if they start their draft off with Aiden Hutchinson, it's just going to be gravy from that point on for them, in all honesty. So Andrew Booth on the back end of the first round, yes, please, if I'm a Lions fan. And then they get another pick, two picks later. Oh, yeah. Let's see what the Lions do this draft. That's why they are my dark, dark horse once again this year. Not one, not once dark, but dark, dark horse. Before I get out of your hair, Pete, David Ojabo, did I pronounce it correctly? Uh, Ojabo? Ojabo, yeah. Oh, yeah. Before I get out of your hair, Pete, David Ojabo, I think, uh, could easily uh, find himself towards the tail end of the draft. And you know, I'm a little higher than you are on uh, Kenneth Walker. I'm interested to see if he's the first uh, running back to go, and if so, how, how high. So the players that we left off, those are two that I sort of have an eye on who could potentially be those last couple picks of the first round, maybe first couple picks of the second round. Uh, is there a player or two that got left off, Pete, that you want to bring our attention to? Yeah, I think Matt Corral is one, and uh, it is possible that he does go in the first round, whether we're talking about the Detroit Lions at number 32 or another team trading up to get him. I think it's possible that Corral does go in the first round. We'll see, though. We already took uh, six receivers in our combined mock tonight, but another guy that's getting some run is Christian Watson. There's a lot of hype around him. He's another guy that could sneak into the first round. But I agree. David Ojabo is a guy that could be there who probably would be there if he didn't get injured at his pro day, sadly. So those are some of the names that I'm throwing around myself. Maybe DeMarvin Leal from Texas A&M. We didn't mention him, but a defensive lineman. You already had Logan Hall in there, so I don't know how many defensive linemen can go. But uh, he's another guy that I would be remiss if I didn't mention. Remiss. That's because he went to university, friends, and that's why he can uh, <laughs> say words like that that most of us cannot. I love the corral thing, uh, and here's why. I think three, that is going to be the magic number of quarterbacks in round one. I think Panthers and, and Pittsburgh were two obvious choices. Who knows what the third one could be? Again, I had Detroit very early second round. But I think three is the magic number of quarterbacks in round one. But I do like you bringing some attention to um, that quarterback out of Ole Miss. And and while we're on that, just very briefly here, Matt Corral, if Sean Payton was still in New Orleans, I would be mocking Corral there because he reminds me a lot of Drew Brees. And I think under Sean Payton, 
Corral would really thrive. Ryan, I want to thank you so much, man, for coming on and doing these four draft specials with me this month. There's nobody that uh, I I would rather have on in this spot. I think uh, your analysis is awesome. I've learned a lot from you over the past uh, several episodes, and I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, The pleasure's mine. I haven't seen my kids in a month, so I'm (laughs) going (laughs) to... Uh, shout out to my kids, uh, Pete, I'm teaching them about podcasts. They listen to these and I got the best kids in the world, but, uh, doing, uh, these sorts of shows with you is really fun. Uh, and I think we said, this will be my final word. I enjoy these more than the, uh, intro week, uh, podcasts during the season. For some reason, uh, it's just the draft stuff is very intriguing to me and uh, I enjoy it a little more than the other things, but lots of fun. And, uh, I think you and I will be texting up a storm come Thursday and, uh, that's a habit for you and I maybe now closing in on two decades of texting each other on draft night. So shout out to friends. If people have friends out there to watch the draft with, (laughs) that just makes being an NFL fan much better. Cheers to you, Pete. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I got a poll on uh, Facebook and Twitter right now looking for engagement in, in how people will be watching the draft or if they'll be following it. And if so, how much, I really hope it does catch on. I, I, I encourage everyone to watch at least the first round, get your toes wet a little bit, even if you're in the shallow end, Watch the first round. Get into this draft. It's going to be awesome. That's Thursday night is the draft. This podcast will be released Tuesday. And it's our final episode of our the first season of the Purely Pigskin podcast. I can't believe how quickly it's gone. 37 episodes. And as much as I'm looking forward to this draft, I'm also looking ahead to next year, next season. You can be on the lookout in July as we hit the ground running, starting with training camps and some preseason previews. And if you want to stay in the loop to know when the next episode is releasing, please, please, it helps out a lot. Like or subscribe this podcast so that it'll show up for you. You'll be ready to go and ready for the 2022 NFL season. Thanks so much once again for being along with us on this journey. To you, the listener, until then, take her easy. Take her easy.